Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And here we are again with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio, where we bring you stories of people who have used cannabis to deal with serious health issues. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. We haven't interviewed anyone with the type of brain tumor that our guest today is dealing with. It's called diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. I think I've pronounced that correctly. Or DIPG, which we'll refer to uh, throughout the program. I'd never heard of it, so I looked it up and it said, DIPG are highly aggressive and difficult to treat brain tumors found at the base of the brain. These tumors are found in an area of the brain stem that controls breathing, blood pressure, heart rate, and other vital functions. And joining us to tell his story is Steve Allgood from Ontario, Canada. Steve, good of you to do this. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, DIPG is more common among children than adults. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 28 years old. 28 years old. Now, I want to read some symptoms, Steve, and uh, tell me if these were applicable to you. Uh, Problems with balance and walking, problems with the eyes, double vision, drooping eyelids, uncontrolled eye movements, and blurred vision, problems with chewing and swallowing, nausea and vomiting, morning headache or headache that gets better after the person vomits, facial weakness or drooping. Any of those familiar to you? I had all of those except vomiting and uh, nausea. That was after I got treatment, though. (laughs) After you got treatment. Now, take us through. Go go ahead. Sorry, I I had all of those symptoms uh, except the the vomiting and nausea Mm -hmm. leading up to me finding out I had a tumor. Do you vividly remember the appointment with the doctor when he told you what you had? Uh, Very clearly, and it's not one of my favorite ones. Tell us about that day. So I went for an MRI, I believe, a week before, and they told me, or sorry, a CAT scan a week before, and uh, they told me not to drive anymore, that I needed to go for an MRI, and then the I got an MRI, and two days later, the doctor told me I had cancer. Um, He didn't tell me what type of cancer, because I don't know why he didn't tell me what type it was, but it was two days before my wedding, actually. So uh, that that came as quite a shock to me and my wife, Um, and he said there wasn't much he could do as a neurosurgeon, so he was just going to send us up to the cancer hospital in in, uh, Hamilton called Dravinsky. So then we had to wait a week for that. And then when we went there, they told me, you have DIPG. Um, It's an incurable form of brain cancer. There are no treatments in Western medicine that will help you. They will only prolong your life for 9 to 18 months. So go home, make memories, eat hamburgers, drink beer, enjoy life, and hopefully you'll have a good nine months. Two days before your wedding. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that uh, what a shock! Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty devastating. <laughs> now, what but was the we, reaction uh, from oh, yep. what was the reaction from your wife and mother-in-law? Uh, 
they they bawled their eyes out right away. <laughs> um, but my my mother in law said to the oncologist, "You can't tell him that there there has to be something he can do. We're going to find something. Like he's not going to die in nine to eighteen months. Like they were dead set on not taking that as the answer, which I'm very thankful for." <laughs> You know, when I hear people tell stories like this I, uh, and receive the diagnosis of, ni- of uh, 9 to 18 months, I'm wondering, how do you stay positive with that information? So I took it as, well, I, I don't think I could believe it at first. So when my wife was getting upset, I would, I would be telling her, hey, it's no problem. We're going to get radiation. It's going to shrink it. And... It, we're going to figure this out and we're just going to make sure it, we find a way to kill it and it's going to disappear and our life's going to be fine. That was me for the first three months and then I went downhill. <laughs> you when went- you say downhill, what do you mean? Um, I think like the actual diagnosis sunk in after about three months and then my symptoms uh, from, from radiation um, treatment um, made me a lot weaker and tired, and I was still having symptoms from the initial diagnosis, like my balance and stuff like that. So I think I just got really depressed that I actually, like, knowing that I actually have an incurable form of cancer, it was just a lot to take in. I think after the three months of set, set, um, sitting on everything, right? I mean, that's uh, that's a lot to take in. Knowing yeah, it was a, quite the life changer. Yeah. Now, how did you find out about cannabis? Um, so a good friend of mine, uh, um, Jamie Reynolds is his name. Um, he's been into pot for a long time, and uh, he sent me a text message, I think, the day after our wedding, um, all about Rick Simpson oil and Phoenix Tears and how the, he's seen stories, how it has reversed tumors in children and, and uh grown adults that were told pretty much the same thing about me to go home and die. And this, this magical oil somehow cured them. I was pretty hesitant at first, um, as I didn't have the best, uh, I would say best times with marijuana in my past. (laughs) It always made me paranoid and, uh, usually ruined my night of partying when I was out drinking. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I thought uh, if I started trying the oil, I was just going to get paranoid and go crazy and, and not be able to handle the diagnosis. Um, but yeah, it was, it was my friend, Jamie, that, uh, that told me about it. And then me and my wife and my mother-in-law did more research and, and we found that that's, that's what we're going to be doing to save my life here. Now, where do you get the, the, the cannabis? Do you grow your own or do you buy it from someone? At first, I was buying it from, uh, from either, I think, a place in BC or Alberta, and they were shipping it to me, but it was costing me around anywhere between 35 to 65 bucks a gram. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, I found a uh, lady that produces it and sells it that was about half hour away from where I live and I was buying it from her. Um, she's, she has cured herself from cancer using the oil. So I was buying it off her and then I grew my own. The first year I was diagnosed, I grew four plants and, uh, I started making my own oil. How much did it take, Steve? I, 
have been, I was taking a gram and a half a day, um, for probably a good year and three months. Uh, I probably still take a gram a day now. I, I try to space it out throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's either, either usually a gram, maybe a bit under or either a gram and a half a day. And that's been pretty consistent for two years now. Tell me about, this, sorry, go ahead, Corey. I was just going to ask you, Steve, is this all your cannabis one strain or are you using several? I use several. So I grew Northern Good. Lights, Purple Kush, um, Bubba Kush, and Banana Kush. Great. Yeah. See, and, tell, uh, tell, tell as, me. As, oh, sorry. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, tell me about the first time you took the oil. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the first time I took it, um, well, actually, my memory is not the greatest, but for the first while after I took it, I thought I was going to die each time, um, <laughs> as it would make my heart race a lot, uh, make my my mouth dry or burn, like the oil, if I just took it straight from the syringe, would make my throat tingly. So then I'd start thinking, am I having swallowing issues, because that's one of my symptoms, and am I having breathing issues? So I'd pretty much be sitting on the couch uh, in full-blown panic attack, Um or if not having a panic attack, be uncontrollably laughing or just in like a zombie mode, not moving at all. <laughs> now, if you if you take it today, how would it react with you? I think it makes me act more normal than anything. Um, it makes me very social with people. Um, the way I describe it to my wife, like I, I feel like similar to like what an alcoholic would probably feel like where they don't feel normal until they have their drink. It's kind of like if I wake up, it's like, I'm still like dazed and stoned from the night before's dose. Mm -hmm. So then I don't take any for a bit and then usually take my first dose around 10 and maybe it's just me being awake. But I find after I take that dose after about an hour or two, I'm, I'm more uh, motivated to do stuff. One of the issues, uh, if I'm correct, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, one of the issues with where your cancer is is that the cannabis doesn't get to the brainstem. That's why you can't die from taking too much cannabis. That's correct, right? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I believe uh, maybe another way of saying this is uh, there are no cannabinoid receptors in the brainstem. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've seen similar research to that, um, and I didn't let that take me in like a negative way. I found several people, or not several. I found two other people uh, with DIPG that use cannabis to treat it. And one, uh, the one lady, Jessamine, her tumor actually fully disappeared. Wow. Is that right? That's fantastic. Yeah, she's from uh, Oregon uh, in the States, and she has a very fascinating story. Um, Her name's Jessamine Way. And uh, if you just Google her name, there's, uh, she's on several podcasts and there's several news articles about her and just all her health issues she's had. She's pretty fascinating, and everything she's cured with cannabis. So you've talked to her? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have her number. I talk to her over the phone. I email. We uh, send each other recipes of uh, all our healthy organic food we eat. 
Do you know, when you have someone like that who has cured themselves of DIPG, I guess I shouldn't use the word cure, someone will come after us, cleared herself of DIPG, then it certainly gives you hope. Those moments when of despair you may feel at any time during the day or or the week or the month, uh, that gives you hope to keep pressing on with what you're doing because you know, you know it works, right? Yes, if I if I don't think I'd be doing as good as I am if I never found her. Um, she she boosted me, lifted me out of a very dark hole I was in. Um, she t- she suggested books to read, um, just like to lift my spirits, and then she she educated me a lot on on oil um, and just healthy eating and things she did with her cancer, and yeah, it, it boosted my confidence and and just dealing with this cancer a lot more tell us about sorry Corey. go ahead how many times a day do you take oil um i would say two to three times a day depending on the day like sometimes i'll i might not take any all day until like six or seven and then take a full gram at once or some then the next month i might start taking it once a little bit at eight in the morning, some at 12, some at four, and then a bit more larger dose around eight or nine before I go to bed. And, and you're ingesting approximately how much a day? A gram to a gram and a half, I would say. Right. So Steve, is this the way the lady in Oregon uh, cleared herself of DIPG? By yeah, so by by doing spacing it out sometimes and changing it up. Yeah, so she she found the same thing like uh, the grain. She started with the grain of rice, like e- everyone suggests, and was couch locked for hours, like most of us are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she was the one that suggested to me to try to space it out, and when you do take that little bit to try to to motivate yourself to to exercise or get out and be active, because. She she thinks that had a large part to do with her healing process and not just laying around waiting for her body to heal herself. She wanted to be proactive and get out and do more stuff. And, I, and I've been trying to do the same, and I think it's been helping. I go on several walks a day, as many as I can actually, um, that I can handle with my energy level. Um, try to do some physical lifting of some sort. Um, I lost a lot of weight when I first got diagnosed, when I, when I changed my diet. So I've been trying to actually build my muscle and weight back up for some time now. Well, exercise and walking, et cetera, actually helps to detoxify the body too. So that's, I, I would feel really an important step to be doing that if you can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I suggest that to everyone I talk to. See, the woman in Oregon, how long did it take her to eliminate her cancer? Um, I believe she said she was taking the weed every day for two years straight before any signs of shrinking started to appear. And then I think it took five years for it to be completely gone. Wow. And you're at the two-year mark right now. Two-year mark, and my tumor has been showing signs of shrinkage since November 2019, I believe. Oh, it's shrinking. Yeah. From the last uh, three scans, it has shown it has uh, shrunk in size. 
And you had a scan last month in June of 2020. Yes, that's correct. Are you receiving treatment as well? No, um, no. I don't have anything good to say about the doctors that I see. <laughs> Why do you tell well, that them? That seems to be a common thread. <laughs> <laughs> now, the doctors, do they know what you're doing? Oh, yeah, I'm very open with them. I like I'm I was going to them like pleading with them like, hey, is this going to help? Like or like telling them, hey, I'm doing all this oil, eating nothing but vegan food. And I've been feeling like feeling better. Have you ever seen anyone with this show signs of doing better at 20 months? Like you guys told me nine to 18. What's up here? <laughs> and what do and, they like, say? They just, yeah, they just don't listen. They said they say uh, the last three scans with the good results. They say that's uh, that's still signs of the radiation. Oh, my God. Yet yet they originally told me that the radiation would only maybe give me nine to 18 months of how I was feeling then, which was terrible. Like I feel 10 times better than I did two years ago. Do you still have uh, some of the symptoms that I, I read off? Uh, yeah. So my balance may be affected the odd time. Um, nothing close to what it was before and a little bit of uh, numbness in my face. And that's about it. Is that dissipating? Yes, yeah. So I find it usually, it could just be me overthinking too, because I find it's usually when I take a large dose of the oil that I think it's bothering me, where I, I think I'm just probably overthinking, because like right now talking to you guys, I feel totally fine. And like my face, nothing's going on with it right now. Does that happen every day? No, no, not every day. It's very sporadic. Steve, you like mentioned, before, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, before I wouldn't even be able to go on a five-minute walk, like, just how weird my balance was. Like, I'd be walking to the left a lot. And, yeah, now I, I walk over probably five kilometers a day. Wow, good for you. Yeah, this is a great story. Steve, you talked earlier about the dark hole you were in. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. So, yeah, that's, I would say it was a lot of, uh, it was, I was severely depressed for several months and it was a lot of suppressed emotions that I had, hadn't dealt with in my life that were coming up. Um, a lot of issues with my family that have never been dealt with, um, the lack of support from several people in my family. Um, and it just kind of sent me down a dark hole. And then I think just through my research with uh, taking THC or other psychedelic drugs, it can really open up other doorways in your mind to see those, mm -hmm. those issues from your past. <laughs> um, so I, I, I talked to a therapist and social worker and they, and they have helped me out with that. Um, I've had a lot of support from my wife and she's, she's been, uh, She's pretty much been the thing that's been keeping me alive through all of this. <laughs> She's your rock. Yeah, like if like those days where I was in dark holes, like she had to put put up with it or help me climb out of it or just be there for all the support. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done without her actually. Yeah, that is really really nice. That's fantastic. 
You mentioned other members of your family. Do they are they aware that you're taking cannabis? Yes. Yeah. Like everyone, everyone knows about uh, my alternative treatment methods. Mm-hmm. And are some not supportive? They're yeah, they're supportive uh, with the cannabis. Um, it was, it was, it's kind of a weird situation. Um, it wasn't really the cannabis. It was more like the diet change, like or like just my whole lifestyle switch, where. I couldn't, I couldn't really be around them yeah. at certain points, um, just with me fully changing my life and kind of being in an altered state of mind a lot of the time. Um, and they couldn't, they couldn't fully understand that. So I'm just taking some time away right now. Yeah, you, uh, when you change your diet, the people we've talked to on this program who have changed their diet, changed their eating habits, as Corey says, body, mind, and soul, uh, those are the people who are really successful at this. Other people who don't change their diet uh, struggle through it. But I think what you're going through is highly, highly unique, and I can understand why you would have, you would go into a dark hole, because you've got a very rare disease and uh, I think the good thing about it now is that the, the tumor is regressing. And if you can keep on the same protocol, protocol that the woman in Oregon uh, was on to clear herself of DIPG, then uh, I think you'll be in really good shape. Yeah, they, I totally agree with you, Ian. I'm pretty much following her exact protocol, which is... Pretty much grow your own food or eat as organic as possible. No sugar, no carbs, and drink lots of water. <laughs> Sugar's the big thing, to, isn't uh, it? Sorry, Corey. Go go ahead. No, I, oh, I was just going to say I'd love to talk to, to him in a year and see where he's at. Oh, more, well. I'll be more than I'll be more than happy to talk to you guys again. Yeah, we will talk to you in a year because I think uh, this what you have, as I mentioned, is unique and it's very rare and it's highly aggressive. And you've outlived what the doctors said you would, and you have basically a mentor in Oregon who's helping you through this. I think you're yep. you're in really good shape. I feel like I'm thriving right now. Yeah. I mean, your family members, uh, no more beer and pizza and that sort of stuff, right? Well, that's, that's uh, yeah, no more beer and pizza for, that's what I decided, but they, they didn't get that. <laughs> so when, when they were inviting me over for a birthday party serving beer, pizza, and, and cheesecake and all the sugar-filled stuff and didn't understand why I was kind of miserable there or why I didn't show up to the next one, that's... That's why I'm not uh, really seeing them right at the moment. God well, you need it. to you need to do what's right for you and supportive for you in this you know at this time. It's really important. Exactly. Like I've I've found what I've the changes I've made. They're working a lot to my benefit. So my main goal is just to keep myself alive and healthy, so then people can enjoy me for more years. <laughs> Steve, do you ever miss some of the things you ate? I, I did, so that, that's another reason why I was in a dark hole, because I, I was a sugar addict. I was, uh, like, I, I loved going out to restaurants or 
with my wife for dinner, like nice restaurants, but even though you don't know how they're making the food, but sugar was my main bad thing. So I would be sitting at home having asparagus, broccoli, and cauliflower for dinner. Well, my my wife and uh, mother-in-law would be in another room eating some delicious dinner they made and it would it was hard at at first for sure but now I'm I'm totally used to my healthy eating and I don't even really crave any of that food anymore. Yeah. How much weight did you lose? So I was never really a big guy. I was weighing I think 145 pounds at the time. And then when I changed my diet, I dropped down. I think I was 110 at my lightest. 110? How tall are you? 5'8". Uh, so where are you now weight-wise? Uh, 128 the other day I weighed myself. Okay, so you're going up. Yeah, I'm going up. I was sitting at one, 118, 120 for probably the first first year after like after I lost all the weight. And then started to gain a bit back. I was about yeah one eighteen for for the longest time and couldn't gain anything. <laughs> but I think me getting up and being more active has helped with that. Steve, what uh, advice would you give to people who are thinking of taking cannabis but are somewhat brainwashed by society over the last eighty years? Um, what advice would you give to them? Uh, try to do your own research and education on the plant um, as there's a long history of it, as you just said, 80 years of brainwashing. Um, try it. Start very low. Um, do Start as low as you can, actually, and just do what you feel is right for you till you get used to it. And just be prepared to feel like you're going to die on your couch. Yeah, Corey didn't tell me that part when she got me hooked on it. Yeah, yeah. Tell it, hello? (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, then you might start liking that feeling after a bit. (laughs) Yeah, actually I do, uh, because I smoked a joint with my wife the other night, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's another thing I would suggest, too, is uh, start smoking it, um, because that has helped me with... The anxiety when I'm when I'm either on it or I haven't taken any and I'm just off the wall or I can't collect my thoughts. I find when I when I smoke a joint, it just my wife says it's my happy pill. It just puts me in a very mellow mind and I'm just all smiles and don't have a care. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Is it was it difficult for you to grow your own, make your own medicine? Uh no. Um I'd been growing I've been growing marijuana for probably five or six years, kind of just as a hobby. Oh. And then uh, when I, yeah, I when I was growing it in my yard there and making my own, it was just the oil that I had to research. And, and I was kind of scared if I wasn't cooking off all the alcohol properly or, or making it the like as, as strong as it's supposed to be to, to kill the cancer. But then once I made one or two batches, I pretty much had it down to a science, I think. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Now you, uh, when you, when you make it, do you make it outside? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I mix it in the pot with the alcohol, uh-huh. uh, just in a big steel cooking pot and then strain it, do all that stuff and then use a rice cooker. Cause it doesn't, 
I, I think it doesn't go over a hundred degrees, which you're not supposed to. Mm. So I just leave that outside and then check on it every once in a while and then pour it into my little glass Tupperware. Beautiful. Excellent. Steve, it's uh, really been a pleasure to talk to you. I think uh, your story is really an inspiration to so many people because of the rare form of cancer you have. You're winning the battle against it. And I think uh, probably within five years, you will be cancer-free like uh, your mentor in Oregon. I think uh, just don't lose faith in it. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, you'll be fine. I think so. I totally agree with you. Thanks very much for doing this. It's uh, great of you to tell your story, and Corey and I definitely will talk to you a year from now. Thank you very much. I look forward to the call, and uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, talking about all of this to you guys. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Steve. Steve had a remarkable story. Now, if you'd like to share his story, uh, do so with uh, people on your social media platforms and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, we'd appreciate it if you could tell as many people as possible, because you never know, you might be responsible for saving someone's life. And if you'd like to support us, there's a few ways you can do it. You can become a monthly supporter for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page. And you can also make a one-time donation through our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. We're very grateful for your support. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on Podcon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.